Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Oladance, wireless Bluetooth headphones which deliver 19 hours of battery life, superior sound, the ability to still hear your surroundings for safety, and an open ear design which means you don't get that achy feeling from wearing them for extended periods. I used these on my 100 mile wilderness run, and if you're curious, head over to oladance.com forward slash ST and use code ST at checkout for $30 off their OWS2 headphones. Also, thanks to Pillar Performance. Pillar, spelled P-I-L-L-A-R, is a sports micronutrition company that I was introduced to after having Sam Parsons from Tin Man Elite on the show a while back. I use their pineapple coconut flavored triple magnesium product, which delivers high potency magnesium glycinate for better sleep and added recovery during my training blocks. If you'd like to try Pillar today and you're an American-based listener, head over to thefeed.com forward slash pillar and use code SINGLETRACK in all caps for 15% off your order. For international listeners, use the same code for the same discount, but a different link. Use pillarperformance.shop. Finally, thanks to Kodiak Cakes, makers of my favorite pancakes. They've been at the center of so many memorable post-long run breakfasts. They don't just taste great. It's 100% whole grain. There's 14 grams of protein per serving that helps with recovery. Go over to their website. Get yourself a few boxes of the mix. In the process, use code SINGLETRACK15 at checkout for 15% off your next order. With that, let's get to the show. Ben Demon, it's a pleasure to have you for the first time on the Single Track Podcast. And uh, one thing I want to say before we get into it, written athlete blogs are sort of an endangered species in our sport. And uh, yours is one of the few great ones out there these days. I've gotten a lot of inspiration from reading it. So uh, I guess, you know, we'll link to it in the show notes, but just wanted to express some gratitude that you're sort of uh, working with the garage door open and giving people not just a peek into how you train, but there's a lot of advice that you offer in the process that I think um, it's just a great resource. So thank you so much. Hey, you know, I appreciate it. It's a passion of mine to write and it's a passion of mine also to, to share with the world in a medium that suits the, the real attributes of this progress of being an athlete. And uh, we only have so many tools in the toolbox, but I find sitting down, writing a blog, it helps me as well, but uh, in the end, you wind up with a product which hopefully can stick around a bit, has a bit of longevity. So thank you. There's a lot that I want to talk with you about when it comes to your buildup for this race and just how you plan to execute on race day. But I think you might be a relatively new person to a lot of listeners um, just when it comes to sort of like the pro athlete scene or the aspiring pro athlete scene in our sport. From what I understand, you're an American expat. You're based over in Europe, somewhere in the Pyrenees. What's the what's the elevator story? That the short story about how you got there was it was it work? Was it play? A relationship? How'd you land over there? Yeah, it's not a short story at all, but uh, I'm happy to share about it. I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. I graduated high school over there, um, and then was like pretty hardcore vagabond through my twenties in America. I was a through hiker, traveler, you know, I wound up finishing my university degree at um, Montana State University, College of Agriculture, Sustainable Food Production. And uh, I became just rapidly obsessed with long distance travel on foot and uh, wound up doing right after I finished university, finished the, did the Continental Divide Trail 2016. 
and the bug just stayed with me, man. You couldn't put me to to work more than a couple months. So I'd just work my ass off, save up some money, squirrel away the dimes, and let loose in the landscape. So come 2017, I I did a couple of trail races in the States. I did uh, San Juan Solstice. I did the High Lonesome the inaugural year. I did the Idaho uh, I'm Tough Mountain Festival, but these were all based off hiking fitness and was there for the adventure, for the real pursuit of pushing the limits of endurance. And uh, well, I, I really continued my my rambling afterwards, had a good job in Yellowstone National Park in the winter as a ski guide in a remote camp in Canyon Village and was able to basically support my hiking habit obsession. So. The, the course was sinuous, but essentially what happened is 2018, I went to Nepal to, to try the Great Himalayan Trail, the high route across Nepal, and successfully made it with my life. And uh, it was an incredible experience. I pushed over to India, was there for a while in the Himalaya, and then I met a girl. And uh, I met a French girl, and we started traveling together. I sort of hung up the hiking boots. I was beat. And uh, yeah, that's 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 essentially the roots of it. I mean, COVID sort of really put an end to the the rambling as well. And uh, we decided to have a family. Well, it wasn't so much a decision as what ended up happening. She got pregnant in Australia. We decided to move to France and start our life here. So I've been living in France for two and a half years. And I currently live in the Haute Pyrenees. Uh, which is in the middle of the chain on the French side. And that, that brings us here. That's the long and the short of it. I love all of that. I especially love the through hiking lineage. I myself got into the sport via a through hike of the Appalachian Trail back in 2014. And I, I joke with friends and listeners that ever since I've been micro dosing the through hiking experience via ultra trail running ever since, um, yeah, I, there's definitely a lot more to get into there, but for the sake of this interview, I do want to talk about the lead up in your execution with UTMB, starting with what you did back in late June. I think while a lot of eyes were fixated on Western states and Broken Arrow, stuff over here in America, you were over at the UTMB Andorra race. <clears throat> a couple notable things, excuse me. <clears throat> you tied for first place. You set a course record formerly held by Zach Miller. You notably beat Pau Capel, who took third that day. By the way, that reminds me, you took down a Hannes Namberger CR at Peña Golosa earlier this year. So all of that has been so impressive. And I think we'll get into the nuts and bolts of your ascendancy in the sport soon. But I think the first thing I have to ask you about, because it's such an interesting topic, is the philosophy of tying for first place. How do you, how do you think about this circumstance and opting against the decision to race all the way to the finish? Uh, that was very particular circumstance. There's no philosophy. It was, uh, in general, I'd say my friends would probably say that I'm not the kind of guy to ever do something like that. But uh, that was a hellacious day, man. It, it, extremely hot, extremely tough course. Um, you know, the year previous when Zach did it, it, they did it through the night, which presents its own set of challenges, obviously. But uh, we were battling like pretty pretty high temps. Uh, I think it topped out around 35C, which is in the 90s uh, Fahrenheit, and uh, it's high altitude, nowhere to hide from the sun. Um, I think just the general suffering 
kind of created some weird bond between myself and Jean-Philippe. And uh, he's a senior to me. Like, he's been in the trail world for a long time. Uh, we've been pushing each other at different moments. Like, for he had a big gap at the beginning. I closed him on a very long, hard climb, which I had decided before the race that's where I'm going to make my move. So what ended up happening, we rolled into the last aid station together. We'd rolled into, like, four or five together, like, in a row. And finally, we arrived, and he just asked me in French, like, we finished together, and I was like, hey, it's it's kind of your call, man. Like, if you want to finish together, I'm I'm okay with that. And he's like, let's let's do it. So, I mean, we kind of saved each other some battle to the death in the last 8K, which is relatively flat, um, and crossed the line hand in hand. And, yeah, it's just sort of a spontaneous thing. I don't know if I'd ever do it again, but I have no, I have no regrets about it. It was a good moment. Right on. Well, you have gone from incognito, or as we called it, single track, a random baller to a dangerous asset or a known entity in the sport of the last year, especially here in 2023. And you have a quote from uh, one of your recent blog posts that I want to read aloud and ask you about here. You say, quote, 2022 went better than planned. It was, however, not enough. One level gives way to the next, one dream to the next. What was impossible is within grasp, right there, got to have it. In order to improve, one must work hard. In order to turn hard work into success, one must have three things, love, fear, and time, end quote. And I loved that section of the post. Give us more explanation on those three components, the love, the fear, and the time. What do you mean there? And how do those three components factor into training and racing well for you? Yeah, um, it's, look, it, it wasn't like a long-term goal of mine to become like a champion in the sport, but I've always been a competitive person who loves sport. And uh, I'd say really the stimulus behind what's happened with me is the family. Like it's just, we had a family and we're trying to put food on the table. And when I arrived in France, I didn't even have the right to work here. When you arrive with certain visa status, you have to, to wait. And I'm just taking care of the baby. My wife's going to work. I'm thinking like, like, what can I do? And I mean, I've been running pretty hard for, for a minute there, but I just, you know, running is me. I, I just love the thing. So when it comes to actually getting good, you have to be com completely in. You have to be all in. So in order to do that, you have to have a serious passion for the thing, like a thing that never dies. You're exhausted. You don't have energy, you don't have food in your belly, you don't have sleep, and you just, you got to go out, you got to get the session done. And the only way to do that on a sustainable basis is to just, to love it, to like love the the suffering of it, to love the, the moments you have in the mountains. So you have to, you have to just, from a baseline, be obsessed. And then, you know, I'd say the fear is, is you, when you have a family there, you got to do your best. You, you can't give anything except your very best. So it's really just a fear of not being able to to succeed, which then enables you to push harder in training. And then in races, when the time comes, just be willing to just clamp down and go to the next level and really, really, really buckle down for it. And then uh, time, look, the sport takes a hell of a lot of time out of you. You just, you got to create time. You got you to gotta make it happen. So it's self-evident. If you want to win big races, you better be willing to train pretty, pretty long hours. 
Thanks to Brooks for their support of our UTMB coverage. I used their Cascadia 8 shoe way back in 2014 when I was introduced to trails via my thru-hike of the Appalachian Trail. So this is pretty cool. I've been wearing lately their new high point collection in the field, particularly their waterproof rain jacket and pants, as well as the new and improved Cascadia 17 shoe. The style and the performance across the board are all on point. I even wear that waterproof rain jacket sometimes during these interviews. Check it all out over at brooksrunning.com forward slash single track. Also, thanks to Morton. 80% of my run of the 100-mile wilderness earlier this month was supplied by Morton. I used 25 of their hydrogels, 10 of their 225C bars. They all went down easy. There was no pallet fatigue, and they made me feel good because it's all natural ingredients. These are the same products used by top athletes like Tom Evans and Killian Jornet. So head over to Morton.com to take a look at what they got and try some for yourself. And finally, thank you to Features, makers of my favorite trail running socks. They're durable, they're comfortable, they're stylish, and they're trusted by, again, many of the best athletes in our sport. If you'd like to give them a try, head over to their website, grab a few pairs, and use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout for 20% off your next order. With that... Let's get back to the show. I came across a mantra in your blog that I loved. You say, train to train tomorrow. But I'm bringing this up because at the same time, you also talk a lot about the allure of this, uh, you know, call it high risk, high reward, simultaneous increase of volume and intensity, and that you have followed that latter strategy at times with a lot of success. So what I'm curious about is like when you think about progression and maximizing performance and reaching as close as possible to your potential in the sport, where do you currently stand in this debate of conservative versus like more of that go big or go home style training? Like is the risk taking in your opinion necessary to get as close as possible to the higher echelons of the sport? Yeah, for sure. You, you have to be willing to throw down from time to time, but not every day. And also I'd say like what I learned most this year where I've really, cause last year I did okay. You know, I didn't do, I didn't do great. I did all right. But, uh, last year, I mean, I was, I didn't have like the kind of time and dedication that I had like this year. Uh, my fire was really lit after the grand raid. I was just like, okay, let's just do this thing. Let's go. Like it's there. I can, I can keep pushing. I can do much better, but essentially the build up to that race, that was the, that was October of last year. I just did two giant months. I just did like, I don't know, like, maybe 130, 150 miles a week, uh, 40,000 feet of climbing, just, you know, while with the family trying to hold down the fort over here, it was super, super hard. And there was no way of knowing that it was going to transfer to a race. So that I'd say uh, what I learned is that it's not about creating these giant peak volume phases. It's about like choosing your time, choosing like, okay, well, uh, you know, the legs are starting to come back and maybe Tuesday, I'll hammer some super hard threshold workout going uphill. But then, I, you know, I, I'm gonna I want to turn that around and then do something again hard on Thursday. But meanwhile, Wednesday, I still want to train easy. So it's being willing to take a risk on a particular day, but creating a lifestyle where you can can, can do these repeatable hard efforts over time, hard efforts that you you can recover from. Like I understand now, I can recover from certain things which in the past I wouldn't be able to recover from. It's just, it's a long project where you have to bide your time, figure out where you can take your risks, but essentially it boils down to 
to doing some hard things during the week. You have to take some risks in terms of the workouts you do. But I wouldn't say taking too big of a risk with ramping all of this simultaneously. You have to really try to try to draw, extrapolate as far as you can out and find that line. But yeah, from time to time, man, you got to crack the whip. You got to go for it. You know, there's a lot of like zone two, time on feet. You know, that's nonsense. You, you've got to crack the whip from time to time. And then the rest, sure. You know, get out there and hike around. Hike around. Wear a backpack. Do something like that. But you know, it's, yeah. it, it is, it's a dangerous game. It's, you have to be willing, you know, cause it's interesting. You talk to Tom Evans and stuff. I listened to his interview he gave after UTMB. He, his, his game apparently was to do the minimal amount to achieve the adaptations he was looking for. Yeah. I think yeah. that's great, but that's super hard to know what the minimum dose is. It's very, very difficult. So I mean, me, I, sometimes I wake up with a fire in my belly, usually when I don't feel that great. And those are the days when I really get after it. And yeah, and it's just a long-term strategy, I'd say, with creating a body and a, a lifestyle that can sustain that. I want to uh, read another quote from your blog here. This was uh, the post you made after you did some, some recon on the UTMB course. You say, quote, when I reflect on the four days spent circumnavigating the Mount Blanc Massif, I understand the hype, the draw, the broken dreams, the durable champions. It makes sense that to win here, you must have great physical capacity and somehow eclipse what you feel is possible without dying, that you have to run very smart and very hard. UTMB is a lethal combination of speed and mountain, end quote. And so with all that said, uh, what's, been your, what's been your blueprint for, um, for prepping for this race and how far back does it go? Like, like what's in your figurative and literal uh, uh, gearboxes for UTMB? Mm. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even planning on doing it until I, I, I have a training partner here in uh, the village that I train in. And uh, he was fourth at Andorra this year. So we train together like once a week. He was saying, I'm doing UTMB. I'm doing UTMB. As soon as you start talking to sponsors, you're going to do UTMB? You're going to do UTMB? And you realize like there's only one place where all the marbles are there. It's the biggest thing that you can do in our sport. So I started looking into it and, you know, like when you have this, I'd say it's, it's normal among through hikers to be a bit anti-institutional. So, you know, <laughs> I, I was a bit resistant to this idea of going to the biggest circus and sports show in our sport. Uh, but then, you know, I, I caught the bug. I just did some research. I seen like how there's nothing, there's no test like this where you can really run like you can run on a mountain course, like a true mountain course, but you can run. And this is a really cool thing. So it's, for me, it's this weird, it's this weird mixture. You have like a fitness test, like on all these climbs. It's not terrain dictating how slow you have to go. It's like, hey, if you got legs, kick, go. And uh, so what basically happened, decided I was going to do it. And then for me, my my thing is okay. Well, you're gonna have to run. Well, we need to work continuously on the running, particularly uphill, and at the same time, we have to develop a resiliency in the mountains. So I base a lot of my training on those two things. Where I live is very easy to access both of those things as well. You know, we have uh, right next to us is the famous where I live. The, the village is called Banya de Vigor, and there is a col called the Col de Tourmalet, which is a famous coal in the tour de france so the road 
climbs 5,000, 6,000 feet. So if you want a hell of a session, you go run that road. And uh, that kind of stuff is like UTMB training. So for me, plan is figure out some workouts, which is going to give you good running power uphill, some, some good tolerance, threshold tolerance. And at the same time, get out and work hard in the mountains. Enjoy the mountains, but work hard, choose cool lines, have fun, but be willing to suffer as well. So it's really a combination of uh, emphasizing continuously, reinforcing uphill running with mountain strength. You say that your uh, your principal objective is to give the field, quote, a run for their money, end quote, at UTMB. I love that. I, I love setting intentions pretty publicly out there. Uh, but practically speaking, what does this look like on race day? Like when you think about how you will race, are you going to be there at the front being dragged by whatever people like Jim Walmsley and, and Tom Evans and Matt Blanchard want to do? Or do you sort of have this this sense of what the splits will be at each key spot on the course what the ultimate finishing times will be. And then you sort of reverse engineer that and you run your own race. Like, how do you think about all that? No, I reckon I can run with those guys. So I'm just going to try and get in, get in the mix. Like I don't have some, I don't think you can sit back too much in UTMB. You can sit back a bit. You know, the, another champion who lives not too far from here is Benyat Marmisol. He, uh, yeah. you know, he's spectacular at guarding his energy, holding on to it. And then just starting to like lay it down later in the race, especially. And he, he just doesn't. Saw it at Hard Rock. Yeah. 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 He doesn't slow down much. Um, so he can keep this very linear effort and speed, which he took sixth last year at UTMB. He wasn't far from Zach or Jim. And he essentially sat back until Champe, you know, he sat back till the fully, basically. And then he started kicking a, a bit. But I mean, at the end, if you've got legs after that, you're going to catch people who are destroyed. But me, I don't, I don't really think I'm that kind of runner. I prefer to have contact with what I, I just prefer to be up there in the mix, having fun, mixing it up. So yeah, I'm going to go out there and try and run with those guys. And look, if it's, if it doesn't feel sustainable, I'll pull back a bit, but uh, I don't think it's going to be anything too, too wild. I mean, maybe Jim goes wild. I don't know, but the rest of those guys, like like Tom and Matthew, like they're they're spectacular runners, extremely strong. But I'm sure I can hang with them. Are you someone that deals with imposter syndrome at all, or do you derive a lot of confidence as you're stacking race results and you're stacking training, and you just trust that what you've done is going to be successful? Like, there's that you know you mentioned in your blog, like the John Kelly quote where you know, by the time you hit the start line, 90% of the race is done because it's all, you know, you did all that stuff in training. It's just the last, whatever, five or 10% to celebrate. So yeah, that's, about all that. that's totally just having faith in which, which is not easy to do, but like, it's true. If you, if you've been working hard, you'd be all right. As long as you don't like immolate yourself before or get sick or do something stupid, you know? But I think, um, I think it's, it's, it's not imposter syndrome. But it is outsider syndrome. Like I don't, I haven't like, I just haven't been on the in the inside club like in the sport. So when I'm coming in, my name is fresh. There's a sort of like a little bit of this me versus them attitude, but that's good to have too. Because I mean, in the in the alt in in a race, like you need to find different sources of fuel, uh, 
anger is not the word, but it's like it's this little chip on your shoulder, which you can use from time to time. That's not going to last for a hundred miles, but you know, like you, you have to use different, you know, but that's look, I, I got to run like how many, like maybe 80 K with Courtney in, in reunion Island. And you start to see like the Jedi master figure out how to pull energy out of everything. Like you realize that you have to be extremely open to the experience. And uh, as things are coming your way, you got to start turning that into fuel. Like she was, she was turning everything into fuel, pain, uh, attention, all the, like anything you can think of. It's just, just, it's just becoming fuel. It's just incredible to watch. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I, I hope at least that you can just try and find multiple fuel sources during the race. And if, if it comes down to just having a chip on your shoulder, that's not bad to have. I love the outsider syndrome perspective. It's, it's fleeting, especially if you are on this ascendancy, it's fleeting. So you got to cherish it while it's there. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes, by the way, is chips on shoulders, put chips in pockets. So yeah. I hope you can, uh, you, you can feel that on race day. Last question I have for you, because yeah, just via your blog, you come across as just a really thoughtful person. What is your content diet? Like when you think about what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, uh, what, what are your go-tos for just becoming a more like informed athlete in the sport? And, uh, yeah, what interests you? What interests me? You know, I still read every night. That's, that's fantastic. Um, but I, I'm not really any different than what I, I would imagine most people are, you know, I, I kind of get delivered the information that I've cultivated in the algorithm. So, I mean, I, it understands that I'm interested in athletics. I like studying uh, the, the triathlon a lot because, like, it's a more mature professional sport. Like, the tra- it looks like trails heading that direction. Um, yep. But in terms of just everything, from just how the athletes become entrepreneurs to, like, this obsession with microdata and training. Um, me, I'm always on the look. I mean, I love, I love champions of all sports. I follow a lot of track and field. Uh, follow golf follow you know like i I love i love sports so i I try i I try and watch a bunch of of stuff whether it's road racing or whatever i love highlight videos um things of that nature right on well ben it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you we'll make sure to link to the blog the rest of your socials and your strava in the show notes anything that you want to leave listeners and viewers with before we go uh you know I, i could say some big things i don't know if i want to yeah, yeah, why not? Um, you know, I just hope I hope people like I've found such joy in having big objectives. Like it's just it's such a gift, even if even if it's not always perfect, like it's just beautiful to have this thing, this drive, something to look forward to, something that you're pushing towards. So I mean, just set set big goals. Just go for it and and try try and make something of it. Because it's it's really it's just a pleasure to to wake up with a sense of purpose. So yeah, have fun.